Bilingual in America. Tunei Aloha fi America. Bilinguismo negli Stati Uniti. Bilingue in America. Ser bilingue in America. I'm Suzanne Lasser. I'm Yarina Sancion, and this is Bilingual in America. Hi, I'm Yarina Sancion. Today's episode takes us beyond our U.S. borders and overseas to Europe, where we hear from Natalia Simons of Spaniard and British descent and her experiences growing up speaking Spanish in England. We also talk with Juan José Almagro of Madrid, Spain, who has been in English as a foreign language teacher for 25 years. He talks about language teaching and learning and his own creative journey as a poet and author. English and Spanish are as well as the challenges and successes they have both faced within the publishing world are the bridges that connect our two guests who have never met. Let's listen in as Suzanne Lasser has these powerful conversations. Natalia Simons, I'd like to welcome you to Bilingual in America. Although you are currently in UK, we are excited to have you. Bilingual in America is our title, but we know that being bilingual is beyond just being in America. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. And I'm so glad I reached out to you. I didn't think I'd be on the podcast so soon. So thank you very much. Yeah, that's the beauty of social media, right? We get to follow like-minded individuals, advocates, things that are curious to us. And the next thing you know, we're able to connect. Natalia, I wanted to invite you to speak with our listeners today. But before we get started about your books and what's coming next for you, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your unique background and your bilingual journey? Yeah, sure. It's my pleasure. So I, I live in the UK. Um, my mother's Spanish and I grew up speaking Spanish. And that wasn't very common in the UK. I think I was probably the only person in my class who was English but spoke Spanish. So I always thought from a young age that I was a little bit different to my classmates. Um, at times, I did feel a little bit embarrassed if I would speak to my mum in Spanish in public because I would think, oh, everyone's listening to what we're saying. Can we speak in English? Because when you're a child, you want to be the same as everybody else. But as I got older, I realised, well, what a great advantage it is to be bilingual, to speak Spanish. You know, out of all the languages, Spanish, you know, it's um, one of the most spoken languages in the world. So... Yeah, I always had that at the, you know, the back of my head. Oh, it's, I'm, I'm so grateful. I feel so lucky to speak another language. So I'd always wanted to write a book about my experience. I'd always planned it, but I never really had enough time. I had a full-time job. I wanted to socialize, relax, and you have to be in a, you know, a good frame of mind to get to write a book. So the pandemic here, I was made redundant from my job because of the pandemic, so I had so much time to apply for other jobs, but also I thought, why don't I continue, you know, with my book writing, my book, because I'd already written the book, 
and I'd approached many traditional publishers, but they'd come back saying it's not the sort of thing we're looking for. So I'd sent it to so many traditional publishers. I thought oh, it can't be that good. If if they're turning around and saying it's not the sort of thing we're looking for, I just thought I gave up on it. So yeah, during the pandemic, I, I went back to it. I made some changes. Then I decided rather than again going to approach many publishing traditional publishing houses, I thought why don't I just become a self-published author, publish it on Amazon, see what happens. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So when I published it on Amazon, I thought, you know, there'd only be a few people who would buy it. I thought it would be um, people in Spain would buy it, would only buy it because, you know, they knew me and there were photos of the village in Spain for where I used to go. But no, it I people would bought copies in Australia, America, even in France. So yeah, a lot of people had bought my book and a lot of parents in the UK, so a lot of Spanish mums who are bringing up their children bilingual, they bought the book for their children because they hadn't found a book that identified well with their story, which is the you know the reason why I did write it because I, I wanted these children out there to feel identified. You know, there's bilingual children all around the world, and it did really really well. I had so many people buying it and. The best thing for me was the messages I was getting for the mum saying, thank you so much, you know, the book has really helped my child gain confidence in speaking Spanish, she no longer feels embarrassed, she's turned it around and she feels really proud and for me that, I just thought, wow, that is amazing, I've done my job here, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter if it's not a bestseller or I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really care. I just thought, you know, I'm helping these children, and because it would have come in very handy if I would have had a book similar to this growing up. So yeah, so from writing that one book, I decided to write more bilingual books, and I also decided to have my own publishing house where I publish bilingual books, and I've, I changed my brand and I put a lot of work into it and my website actually went up today so okay well have to... new world <laughs> absolutely so I think you know last season we spoke a lot about the silver linings that came out of the pandemic and clearly yeah this is an example of a silver lining and while it's wonderful to be a best-selling author or to be on you know the New York Times um, yeah the book list it's even more rewarding to get that feedback from individuals who have been touched personally by your experience and what you're sharing and that is priceless so i'm sure it will continue to be a book that many can relate to similar to your mom's experience how she left spain and yeah so tell us a little bit about that what was it like as a child i know you said that you used to spend holiday in Spain uh, for about six weeks in the summer. So talk a little bit about yeah. what it was like. I heard you say what it was like to be living in England and speaking Spanish, but what was it like when you went to Spain for the summers? Oh, it was, it was honestly, it was the best time ever. Oh, if only I could go back and just be a child for one day and just go <laughs> to Spain again. I could, I would love to relive. Honestly, it was the best experience. When I first went over to Spain, of course, it was a little difficult adapting to speaking Spanish every day to, to everyone around me in Spanish. So the first couple of days were a little bit difficult. I'd only feel confident enough to say, see, sí, yes, 
Um, but after a few days, I, you know, I got back into the swing of things. I was speaking in Spanish. It was fine. Everyone treated me as if I, you know, I was Spanish. I was one of them. So yeah, it was fine. But obviously, when I was a child, along the way, because my accent in Spanish was probably not hundred percent Spanish sounding. Maybe there was a few words that would sound a little bit English. Um, some of my friends would kind of make fun of my accent, but in a nice way, not in a horrible way. But but I did take it to heart because, again, as a child, I wanted to be the same as everyone else. I didn't want to have a little bit of an accent. I wanted to sound completely Spanish. So it was a constant battle. But now I realise it's not so bad having a, a little bit of an accent because it tells a story and it shows, yeah, well, I am. I'm half English. I'm half Spanish. So... I don't mind, but yeah, as a child, I really took it to heart. And I, at times I did feel a little bit different when I went to Spain because, you know, I, I grew up in the UK. There was completely different traditions, different food. So when I first went to Spain, I wasn't too keen on some of the food. It was a little bit too, even though my mum would cook really nice Spanish food, there'd be other types that I wasn't so used to. So I was a bit picky, but now of course I love Spanish food. So. Yeah, as a child, it was a little bit of a battle, but I still had the best time, you know. We, I was I went to a small village in the north of Spain. There weren't any tourists, and I would just spend my summers playing non-stop, uh, being with my grandma, who had a, you know, I had a really good relationship with her. Everyone knew each other in the village. It was safe. It was, I was out in nature. I was in a, you know, a different country, speaking to children in Spanish and learning about what, their upbringing was like the sort of food they ate or the things they were watching and the music because what yeah I got to love and also I didn't just get to love Spanish music by going to Spain in the summer I, I started to love Mexican music you know Spanish music from all around Latin America so it opened up a world not just in Spain but to the Spanish-speaking countries and six years ago I actually travelled around Latin America and absolutely loved it. It was my dream, I think. And I spoke the language. So honestly, it's opened up so many doors in my, you know, job-wise, socially, just my way of thinking. I'm more culturally aware about other cultures. They're not aren't just necessarily Spanish-speaking. I'm fascinated by all sorts of cultures, traditions, religions. So... Yeah, a very good experience it was, all in all. So it sounds like it had provided you with a strong sense of self and pride. Yeah. And like yeah. you said, it, it served as a gateway to, yes, your, you know, your heritage from Spain, but also to other Spanish-speaking countries and cultures. And yeah. then beyond that, just an appreciation for the diversity um, yeah. within humanity. I was wondering about the attitudes, say, in the UK, in terms of bilingualism, what is the general feeling? Is it something that is encouraged? It is something that is viewed as um, positive and necessary, or are there concerns about preserving the, the mother tongue? Uh, and well, well, now maybe it's a little different when I was a child, but now it's it's a really big thing. I mean, it, it's really important. People in the UK really do want their children to speak a second language so it's, it's not frowned upon it's more it's, you know it's celebrated that speaking another language is amazing however in the UK it's it is 
it's a bit difficult in um, schools, primary schools, which I guess is elementary schools in um, America. They don't really teach languages. Secondary schools they do, so high school, they, they teach languages, but not so much in elementary schools. I think it's because of the resources. They don't have many teachers who can speak French or Spanish. So I think there needs to be some improvements in that respect. Yeah, I know now that parents really want their children to speak another language, so they take them to extracurricular Spanish schools. Um, where I live in Brighton, there's a bilingual school, and I know which is bilingual Spanish, and I know a lot of the parents who take their children, they're not necessarily from a Spanish background. You know, a lot of them, both of the parents are English, but they're taking their child to a bilingual school. They know how important it is to speak Spanish. Absolutely. So yeah, it's celebrated. It's not really, I mean, it's probably old fashioned views in the UK to think, oh, why are you learning another language? Everyone speaks English. Don't get me wrong, you do get a lot of those people who say, oh, you, why do you need to speak another language? We speak English. And I do come across them, but not as much. I think parents think it's amazing. And a lot of parents wish that they could speak another language to teach to their children. So it's positive to hear the, the shift, and, and I hope that we'll continue to see that uh, wave, yeah. right? And more and more people continue to ask, instead of, why are you bilingual? Yeah. Bilingual saying, why aren't you bilingual? Yeah, exactly. It's wonderful <laughs> for us to be able to flip that uh, type of questioning and the mindset. So in your story, um, so the name of the book is La Chica Espanglish, or The, Spanish, uh, the Spanglish Girl. Yeah. Right, La Chica Spanglish, and in English, The Spanglish Girl. So are you using both languages? Are you translanguaging where you're using a combination of the two? Talk to us a little bit about your decision and word choice and thinking about how to use both languages to capture what you believe to be um, the most important aspects of language and culture. Sure. Initially, I did only just write it in English, but then when I came up with the title and the whole concept, I think, well, it doesn't make sense to just have it in English. I decided, well, make it. I should make it a bilingual book. You know, they're on the rise. There aren't too many bilingual books out there in the UK anyway. Um, so one side of the page is English. The other side of the page is Spanish. Or you know, you've got one paragraph English. Below that, it's in Spanish. So. Yeah, it is. Um, I basically translated it um, as it should sound in Spanish. Not obviously not translated word to word because languages don't work like that. You know, you, if you Google Translate, it's probably the worst for that. So I have translated it in a way that makes sense in Spanish and in English. Yeah. So that was what was um, your question, wasn't it? Yes. And yeah. so. Um... So tell us, what are you planning next? Will it be a series? Do you have a totally different idea for a future book? So what are you working on? What creative juices are flowing right now and are you most excited about? Yeah, so this is, this is only the beginning. I just, initially I thought, I'm just gonna publish one book, see how it goes. But the day that I published it, I came up with so many ideas. I thought, well, I could, it could be a series book. So I am on plan, I am planning on having series books, but each book, is going to be based in a different country. So the Spanglish girl is based in Spain, an English girl that goes to Spain. The second book, which is called the Mexiglish girl, again, I'm combining the two 
words. Oh. It's about an English girl that goes to Mexico and it talks about some Mexican traditions and cultures and, the, you know, it's a bit similar to the Spanglish girl, but it's a, it's a new character. Um, the language is obviously a bit more Mexican Spanish. For example, abuela will be abuelita because you know that's what they say in Mexico they don't say it as much in Spain so the language has changed only slightly but predominantly it will be about Mexican cultures and the illustrations beautiful illustrations I can't wait to show the world is very Mexican and then my next books again will be similar I'm not going to say just yet because it hasn't finished but I do want to do series books of the main character being based in a different country, but the main character is always bilingual and the struggles and the advantages. So it, yeah, it's got a, it's quite similar, but different in the respect of it will be a different country and maybe a different language. I'm even thinking about having it in French. I don't speak French, but I think it would be great to have it in different languages. Well, I think you're definitely poised for um, the opportunity to, to partner with even other authors now that you've started yeah, a exactly. publishing uh, company. So I think that all the creativity that's inside of you is just beginning to oh, yeah. come to life. And we look forward to hearing how you're doing, Natalia, watching for your next books. And as you were talking earlier, you mentioned about your accent. And I wanted to share with you that this woman, Maritere uh, Bejas, uh, she's known as a Latina boomer mom on Instagram. And she had a post recently and it said, when raising bilingual children, remember that their accent in the minority language might, might not be perfect and that's okay. Focus on language exposure and celebrate your child's efforts. We all want to perhaps sound a little bit different or look a little bit different but we are made the way we're supposed to be. And Natalia Simons, we encourage you to continue to speak your beauty. And we thank you for joining us here today on the Bilingual in America podcast. Oh, thank you so much, it's been a pleasure. We also talk with Juan Jose Almagro of Madrid, Spain, who has been in English as a foreign language teacher for 25 years. He talks about language teaching and learning and his own creative journey as a poet and author. Let's listen in. Welcome, Juan Jose. I'm excited to speak with you today on Bilingual in America even though you are overseas living in Madrid. So Wanko, we invited you to come and speak with us today because you have been living this bilingual journey for well over 20 years. And before we get started, we always like to set the stage for our listeners. So what I want you to do is share with our listeners why you became interested in learning English as a foreign language. And in particular, why as a Spaniard, you opted to study English, American English, as opposed to British English? Well, actually, 
it was not a not a choice. It was not something planned. I studied my English language and literature uh, degree at the university here in Madrid. And the thing is, uh, many American universities, both from uh, East Coast, West Coast, had their uh, year abroad program there. Like um, it was their base. So you could walk in and sign up. They had this uh, conversation exchange. I created this strong bond with the language and culture, more with the states rather than not a kingdom or islands. That it just happens. I want to ask you a question regarding accents. Everyone who is trying to learn another language always thinks about their accent. What has been your experience as an English as a foreign language speaker in Spain? with someone who has an American accent versus someone who has a British accent? The thing is, it depends on, on the different generations of different teachers. All generations definitely pro-British. They believe in some sort of standard of quality, but paradoxically, they never reach that kind of proficiency, proficiency level. So that's something that caught my attention and they didn't quite get it, but they were very pro-British. My experience with other teachers, yeah, they, they, they tend to say, well, that's when we speak about certain words, how to say things, how to phrase things, there's one that is going to come up with. Uh, but that's American, right? So they, they yeah. make this distinction. Now, that's, that's, that's more American, right? I get this all the time. I hope that we'll continue to encourage anyone who's learning a language to focus more on vocabulary yeah. and content and fluency as opposed to accent and uh, word origin. Uh, those teachers, uh, I'm sure they, they're, they're not familiar with English as a global language or the lingua franca or translanguaging. You know, you have been working in the Escuela Oficial de Idiomas for quite a while. What makes your teaching style dynamic? How do you entice your students to really continue with their studies? I think that for me, uh, my training uh, has been crucial. Really, I now, after 25 years, I understand my classroom culture and definitely I make it personal. I make it personal and I, even though I'm the teacher, I'm part of the process. We grow together It's a community. And so communication is this emotionally charged event. I love that. What led you to it? When was that aha moment that you just said, yes, this is what it really is? I'm bringing in some non-translanguaging ideas uh, to weave them into the classroom culture. Apparently, uh, they're not complaining that I speak Spanish sometimes with them, even if it's uh, an advanced level. They seem to understand that we need both in order to grow. My last, let's say, experiment, and, and it's working out that when it comes to class, and very happy about that. The flexibility to use both languages to promote growth in one definitely is not fully understood everywhere, but it's good to hear that uh, even overseas, they're recognizing the value of translanguaging. I really enjoy being part of it and seeing it and appreciating it. Sounds like you teach your class like action research, right? You are putting something yeah. into practice 
and exactly. tweaking it as you're going along for the benefit of students really learning what you're teaching. So when you're not yeah. teaching Juan Jose, I know yes. that you are a published poet and author, and you have translated poems for Billy Collins and others. I'm wondering if you are now thinking about using both languages when you continue your writing, or are you still just sticking with Spanish or just English? How does that work for you with your creative hat on, right? It's very different. You live in, you have different hats that you wear. So there's Juan Jose, the <laughs> educator, and Juan Jose, the author. So just um, talk a little bit about that, if you will. Yeah, well, no, creativity wise, my Spanish now clearly dominates. I've tried to write some poetry and, and short stories in English. But I, I find that there I have a little bit of a struggle you know, with um, sounding natural or more nuanced. Yes, definitely Spanish is deeper in my heart than English, I believe, in my emotion. But, but I do feel that I'm connected to the English language, language at an emotional level, personal level. But, but I have to say that this one short story that I wrote, I sent it to a literary prize in the United States. And well, they, they replied, you know, well, uh, interesting work, but it's not what we would like to publish. But for me it was, hey, they acknowledged it as a, as a short story in English. As you're talking, it's making me think about this other guest that I spoke with, Natalia Simons, who is Española and uh, half British. And she talked about how she had authored a book and she sent it out to the big publishing houses and they all said, it's not what we're looking for. And so then she decided, you know what, I'm going to self-publish. And she and she did. So you never know, Wonko. Uh, maybe I'll connect you with her or perhaps you'll consider it, you know, self-publishing. No, yeah, we, we, we have to talk. Yeah, but definitely that was a good uh, experience. So where do you see things right now in, in Madrid or in Spain in general in terms of the value of being bilingual? Yes, in, uh, in the last 20 years, there's, a big, there's been a big push in, in bilingual programs in Madrid. Everything like Madrid and Spain, uh, we were like the pioneers of bilingual programs, lots of publicity and schools with their signs, you know, outside, this is bilingual school. They also hired English-speaking assistants. Uh, those teachers need a, a bilingual certification. So it's, getting, it's getting bigger, bigger, bigger. It's, my concern is about the outcomes. Some of my students are primary school teachers, uh, secondary school teachers looking for that bilingual certification. And I get a lot of mixed reactions from them with teachers and students. They're not sure about, we, we have the initiative. We still have a lot of work ahead in, in that direction. Well, it sounds like there are some pockets of success, but without clear expectations or guidelines from the education administration or the equivalent of that. But it has a lot of, a lot of publicity, like a premium product for right-wing political parties is like hey this is our sign of identity we're moving education forward see how many bilingual schools we open this year 
Oh, they, we gave them the accreditation to do that, but still, no teachers, students, very hesitant about the value of it. Even outside of America, it seems, what is appropriate and how we can support promoting bilingualism. So we'll continue to, to do our part, and I'm sure you'll continue to do your part, and little by little, we will make inroads. But it, uh, it's in, 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 the, in the society, it's there. We, we, we have multilingual people uh, coming from Morocco, and they speak Arabic and French and Spanish, all from Eastern Europe. So bilingualism and multilingualism is a reality yes. or a work in progress? I prefer a work in progress under construction. <laughs> okay. And so, Wanko, I will ask you, how do you think that you speak your beauty? Well, maybe as a teacher. Maybe, maybe it's not that you speak it, but you do it. Sounds a little weird, probably, but I, I think we, we do beauty with language rather than speak beauty. Language is beautiful. I love that. And as I think about how I think you speak your beauty, I think you oh. speak your beauty through your creative voice, whether you are translating someone else's work or you are authoring your own work or you are designing lessons that will leave your students wanting more. Those are the ways that I see you on speaking your beauty. Juan Jose, I want to thank you for joining us today and sharing a bit about your bilingual journey and I hope that you have a great rest of the academic year and keep inspiring students to learn more than one language while you speak your beauty. Yeah, you guys too. Have a wonderful year and thank you for listening. More and more, we witness the importance of widening our scope. Our scope of literature, our scope of language, our scope of culture, truly our scope of people. At the end of the day, isn't that what we truly want? We want to be accepted as we are. I'm reminded of a t-shirt my husband once had that simply read, humankind, people, let's remember that. Until next time, please remember to speak your beauty. Thank you for your interest in the stories we share. By sharing, following, and liking our podcast on anchor.fm, Bilingual in America, and our Instagram blog at bilingualinamerica.podcast, you are speaking your beauty. We welcome your comments and feedback, and we appreciate your support. Follow us, like us, share us.